0: Listeners,
1: this is ironradio.org, and I'm Robert Fortress Fortney, uh, former competitive bodybuilder, former editor of MuscleMag International, and um, competitive powerlifter.
2: And good morning, everybody. This is Charles Staley, author of Muscle Logic, creator of Escalating Density Training, and I am a master's category competitive weightlifter.
0: Uh, this is Phil Stevens, uh, strength coach, competitive powerlifter, uh, founder of lifterhope.org, and state chairman of the North American Highlander Association.
1: And today we have as guest uh, Mr. Ben Hartman, and he is a bodybuilding competitor and a fitness manager of a Northeast Ohio University rec center. Am I correct? Yes. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about, about yourself and uh, tell us, how I mean, standard questions, how, how you got involved in uh, the yeah. wacky world of bodybuilding and yeah, no you know, took it to a, a level that you could actually make a career of, out of fitness at least, and that type
3: of mm-hmm. thing. Well, basically, uh, it, you know, it started back in high school. Everybody, you know, got into some minor weight training and looked in the magazines and that's pretty much the typical, how did I get into the bodybuilding story. Uh, I remember my very first workout back in high school. Uh, our gym teacher put us through and I, I, I distinctly remember doing inclined dumbbell flies with like 10 pound dumbbells. And I was so excruciatingly sore the next day, I, I was hooked, <laughs> even though the, you know, it was so light with my, I could barely move my upper body. Um so I kind of dabbled with it here and there in, uh, in high school, not competitively, just trying to learn the ropes and, and, you know, basic split design and things like that. Um always kept in the back of my mind that someday I'm going to do a bodybuilding show and someday I'm going to win a bodybuilding show and I'm going to do this down the line. Yeah. So I, uh, oh no, you can go. So how, how long have you been bodybuilding then? Uh, I've been a competitor since 2004 was when I did my first show.
1: Okay, and, and, uh, how, how, how is that going?
3: Uh, good. I'm actually, uh, about halfway through a contest prep as we speak, uh, for some upcoming shows that I want to do in the fall. Um, I actually won, uh, the, uh, my show in 2004. I won the junior division. So I, I, I was the, uh, junior champion of the NPC Natural Northern USA Championships. Oh, nice. Um, uh, going into my first shows. Yeah, so that was, uh, that was quite the experience. Uh, ended up trying to compete for over the next, uh, Three to four years, having a lot of injuries, a lot of setbacks. Um, I had a lot of stuff come up in the middle of, of several dieting periods where I had to basically just stop the diet and go back to being a real person and not do the show. Uh, mm-hmm. Then I, I finally got back on stage last year and did a couple shows and uh, really didn't put 100% effort into it. I, I did well, um, but I definitely wanted to challenge myself a little more. I think last year was more of uh, you know getting my feet wet again sort of thing. Uh, so then that's kind of where I'm at this year is, is putting a little bit more into it to see, you know, what kind of potential I have. Mm-hmm. How, how tall are you? 5'8". Five 5'8".
1: Eight. Five eight, how, uh, how much and, do you and, want and to... uh a quarter. Uh, <laughs> <the cost? laughs> Sorry? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, so I said, and a quarter. People
0: under six feet. So always
1: yeah, yeah. Feet. You, you got to well, give me that do quarter. you want to hit the stage at uh, when you get, go on to this?
3: Uh... Um, you know, at this point, it's, it's more about what I can get into the condition. I know that last year I was I stepped on at 187, mm-hmm. uh, and I probably should have been a little tighter. But at the same time, I lost a little bit of muscle towards the end. I I played with some ideas that I didn't think would work, but I you know, kind of the the future scientist to me kind of had to experiment with things and end up not working. Uh, so this year I'm looking at maybe early, you know low 190s, 92, yeah. 93 maybe if I had to guess. But but I mean if I got to go lower than that to to bring the the tightness that I need to, then so be it. So, yeah.
1: How far do you want to take this whole thing as far as um, in, in a competitive
3: sense? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I find myself uh, setting goals and then uh, reevaluating them quite a bit. I think that's important that people do. And originally my goal was to get on stage, and then it was to win a show, and then it was to, you know, qualify for the national level. And then I could think, of, well, what if I can get to that level, and what if I can do stuff then? Um, I compete in the in the drug tested realm, and so mm-hmm. it's obviously a different world than some of the other uh, bodybuilding contests. But there is a a contest called the Team Universe, which is a a drug tested NPC show. It's, it's a top uh, national level show for the drug tested competitors, and the overall winner of that gains IFBB Pro status. Right. Um, uh, yeah. I I don't think that's anything I'm going to ever be able to do uh, in the next two to three years. But I do think that. Given my stature and the and the type of build that I have, I think that I can be competitive at that show in the next two years, and I think that I could potentially be a top uh, a top competitor um, five years from now. Five,
1: uh, I years I'm ago. sorry, I don't rem- remember if you uh, recall if you said this or not. But when uh, how long have you been weight training now, Ben? In total?
2: Uh,
3: well, uh, in total, since I was in high school, early high school, it's probably 12, 13 years now. 12 years.
1: Okay. Uh, have you noticed any t- trends in your training? Is like uh, as far as veering towards one style or one kind of um, way of doing it?
3: Oh, yeah. Well, when I started off, you know, it was everything in in all the magazines, you know, all the pro bodybuilder routines, the, you know, tons of volume and the leader principles and all those things, because that's all Mm -hmm. I could really get my hands on. Uh, In high school, I did a lot of volume training. Uh, I lifted every single day. Uh, You know, And I was in high school and I ate a lot, so I grew. Even though I was really athletic and played a lot of sports, I still gained a lot of size over those several years. Okay. probably looking back in spite of what I did not because of it but uh as I got into college I got more into uh, uh lesser volume uh kind of more middle range maybe like 6 to 9 sets per body part maybe upwards of 10 or 12 uh nothing too crazy and real heavy I was going like 6 to 4 reps on on almost everything uh save for maybe forearms and abs uh and I and I grew quite a bit doing that in college uh did my first show using that training method um really got kind of burned out on some of my joints going so heavy all the time and training five days a week uh yeah. so then over the last couple of years, I've really gone back and forth between uh three and four day splits uh I still really like low volume routines i, I really like a lot of intensity stuff uh I don't know if you guys have heard of dog crap training that's pretty big now um I've no, never what is that cool. uh d- dog crap training is called d c training uh the guy that invented it his his uh screen name on the message boards years ago. Was dog crap. Uh,
0: okay.
3: <laughs> of, of all, of all things. And basically he devised this, this, uh, moderate frequency, low volume, very high intense workout routine that cycled through three different workouts per body part on a more frequent basis than once per week using okay. things like rest pauses, and static holds, and things like that to increase the intensity. Um I, I really like the ideas behind some of it. I, I don't agree 100% with his methodologies and of, you know, being the, the uh, ADD kid that I am I like to change things up every now and then I like to tweak things I always like to kind of have my own spin on it um I actually just got finished doing about seven or eight months of power lifting of uh of uh kind of a conjugate type method uh because I did my first power lifting contest about a month ago so oh, that great. was that, that was vastly different I used a lot of percentages which I hadn't used before in my training um I used uh, some, a little bit of speed work nothing crazy um Basically, it's mostly percentage-based where uh, I used uh, Jim Wendler's 531 program and, and uh, again, kind of added my own twist to a few things here and there and still kept a little bit of bodybuilding. You know, I still did lateral raises and I still did, you know, leg curls and things, you know, cosmetic type of things as opposed to just the, the big three, so. Sure. How did you feel in the parallel? Learned, Were you happy yeah.
1: with your results?
2: Uh,
3: overall, I was pretty happy with the experience. I do think that I, I left a lot on the platform. Um it, it wasn't the best of situations going into the meet because I was I, I let myself get a little too heavy for the for bodybuilding purposes uh in terms of you know my body composition and so I started my bodybuilding uh prep diet actually about 6 weeks before the powerlifting meet to kind of give me a head start for bodybuilding but so I was going into the meet already a little depleted already a little run down and uh during that 6 weeks a, a buddy of mine had started training with me and we just kept throwing ideas at each other, and I actually missed uh, several deloads on some of the lifts. So I got a little over and a little over-dieted. Looking back, obviously, I would change things, but uh, given the positive experience I had at the meet, meeting the people, getting used to the situation, uh, it, it was overall very positive. Right.
1: Well, And, and the, the sports specificity has gotten to be everything, and um, even though the brother-sister sports, powerlifting, bodybuilding, that type of thing, do you think that... Um, in this day and age, that both each complements one another, bodybuilding, oh, powerlifting—would sure, sure. you, you something you would talk to a young young guy about and say, you know, this—it's it, good to kind of uh, incorporate both.
3: Most definitely. I mean, if you look at some of the biggest bodybuilders, you know, across uh, you know the ages, the biggest, thickest ones with the the most you know dense look to their physique, muscle just hanging off the bone, have powerlifting backgrounds, and I don't see that as any sort of. Uh, coincidence that uh, they happen to be the biggest guys um, right. I, I think part of it is they build that base up with their power lifting and another part of it is that as they keep those power lifting you know those core lifts in their bodybuilding specific routines they're good at them because they've been doing them for a long time and they're used to pushing themselves with heavy weight mm-hmm. and now granted their rep range might differ, but, you know, if you can get your squat up to 600 pounds, you can probably do reps with 500 pounds, whereas some other guy who never powerlifts might only be doing it with
2: 350.
3: Sure, sure. I I definitely uh, uh, plan on doing powerlifting and bodybuilding kind of simultaneously, hopefully without as much dieting overlap, but I definitely plan on doing uh, at least one powerlifting meet a year uh, until I get sick of it, I guess. Yeah. yeah, now there's there's always
1: talk about people saying, you know, that they, they lighten up considerably their lows and they change their exercises that like they do right before the, a bodybuilding show and that type of thing. Um, and I've heard it said several years ago, some somebody said, I can't remember what pro said it, but somebody said, you know, I mean, obviously you have to adjust your pound just to a, to a degree just because you have to take into c- consideration caloric deficits and if, uh, overall fatigue at, you know, doing 12, 14, 16 weeks of kind of preparation for a bodybuilding show. But he said when somebody asked him, you know, do you, do you stop squatting and do this or do you do that? He said, you know, I keep doing the same things because what, what built the muscle is what's going to hold on to the muscle.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I've kind of fa- always fallen back when I was a bodybuilder, I used to fall into that whole idea of, you know, if, if, if you regularly squatted or you regularly bench pressed, then you really ne- necessarily shouldn't change those things just before you go into a, um, into a, into a show, you should keep doing the things that, built you the way you are do you agree with that or do you switch I definitely agree
3: with that I definitely agree with that uh if anything I'm I I tend to push a little too hard towards the end um towards the end last year when I was some of those things I was experimenting with a few of it was uh backing off a little bit to see how my recovery would be affected so I did pull some of those those bigger lifts out um in the last month and I really think that that's coupled with some small dietary issues that I had. I think that that resulted in me flattening out a little bit. I definitely didn't have quite the uh, the thickness that I had, you know, six weeks prior to that going in. And I think it's because I switched to a lot of uh, machine stuff at the end more out of convenience than anything. Um,
0: right.
3: but, but I'm definitely, uh, you know, the what builds it keeps it philosophy. I definitely agree with that.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, let's talk a little bit about um, your present role uh, career-wise, I suppose. Um, you're, you're a fitness manager at a university rec center. Um, tell us a little bit about that and how you got into that, and you know uh, how you're finding that job
3: okay uh well, as an undergrad several years back um i I worked in campus recreation as a uh fitness kind of a fitness consultant on the on the weight room floor. I did a lot of wellness screenings and you know body composition tests uh I got certified as a personal trainer i I did kind of all of these jobs all in one um basically the whole tenure that I was an undergrad through the campus rec program. I actually, a year into it, I became the student supervisor of all of the personal training, wellness assessments, um, all that kind of stuff, and basically co-ran the program with our fitness manager at the time. I uh, really liked the atmosphere of campus rec, and I always said that I kind of wanted to get back into it. Um, graduated college, tried doing the personal training thing uh, as a business, didn't really pan out as well as I wanted it to. Uh Eventually, I landed in corporate fitness and started up a uh, a corporate fitness center inside of a giant Bank of America complex that's local. And uh, okay. myself and another and uh, my supervisor at the time, we basically started up this small center. Uh, it was really focused on the insurance premiums because that's what corporate you know corporate fitness they, they got to get their insurance premiums down. Uh, so we were doing nonstop testing and evaluation on people, uh, giving them programs. I ended up having to teach some group exercise courses, which wasn't uh, the highlight of my job, but you know, it's something that I came to enjoy, uh, even though I didn't think I would. Um, And then I found out about this job, uh, you know, for the fitness manager position, and I was like, "Wow, that's made for me. I'm from Akron. I have the campus rec background. I have the management experience. I need to jump at this." And I jumped at it, and fortunately, things kind of fell in my lap. So Mm -hmm.
1: now, um, you're you're um academic um, credentials are you have a bs i believe in exercise physiology
3: mm-hmm.
1: and an ms in
3: dietetics is that correct uh while well, i'm currently pursuing the ms uh under Lonnie. actually he's my advisor my program advisor so do you some think kind of that um that kind of
1: not, and this might be a strange question for some people but do you think that kind of knowledge about these things actually hinders or helps you with your bodybuilding i, I do you I understand that, what i mean by that oh yeah, yeah i totally mean
3: yeah i think that you know a lot of people, and I've been guilty of this in the past, it's paralysis by analysis where they, they know too much or a lot of times people will know just enough to get themselves in trouble and think that they know more than they do. Um, I think one thing as, as I've grown over the past couple of years in, in these fields, I realize how very little I actually do know. Uh, not, that, not to say that I don't know quite a bit but you know there's there's so much more to learn there's so many people to consult with so many new ideas and and things to try out that uh to blindly go at it and say well i've taken these courses in school i'm an expert Uh, i think that's uh pretty ridiculous (laughs) you know especially with a you know i can't say i'm a exercise physiology master you know when i just have a a bs at x is so um but but overall i'd say i was you know, my, my uh, academic background really lends itself to understanding how the human body reacts to the weight training, to the dietary, uh, you know, manipulation, supplementation, things like that. I have a, you know, if somebody tries to talk about what, uh, you know, what Lonnie and I were joking yesterday about amylopectin, if you said that to some regular person about, you know, starch, they had, they would have no idea. They're lucky to even know that a, a potato is a starch and, a you know, a tablespoon of sucrose is is a sugar, you know. Low, right, low, low, right. Amylopectin or something. So, I think it, it's definitely overall for me. I it's it helped, but I've had to kind of step back and humble myself to allow it to help, and not be afraid to still ask around and and keep reading and keep researching.
4: Hey guys, I just wanted to let you know I, I I'm here. Hey Lonnie. So uh, yeah, I did make it. I freaking made it. Yeah. Uh,
1: what are your feelings on the, on the current kind of status of, of the sport of bodybuilding itself and, and, and kind of where it's come from and where it's going or where you think it's going and where it is right now?
0: Um, just your you know, general overview of what you think about those things.
2: Walt, did we lose Ben? Uh, no, I don't know.
3: I'm still here. Oh, okay. Sorry, did you hear my question? Was that to me or to Lonnie? Oh I'm sorry that was that was to you Ben sorry oh sorry <laughs> sorry my apologies but, uh, the current state of bodybuilding wow that's a that's a loaded question
0: it is yeah, I know
3: um <laughs> I think that it has the potential to go back in in a positive direction i think that uh especially when you look at the the upper echelon of of the sport, especially in the i f b b ranks really out of control with drug use um you know looking back at the physiques from the early nineties and the late eighties really uh you know, people that I could admire, th- their physiques, uh, they focused a lot more on training, a lot more on strict dieting as opposed to pumping themselves full of, of intricate drugs. Um, I honestly don't, don't think I would ever, you know, delve into the drug route myself. Obviously the illegalities are, are a big issue there, but I think for me it's more of a, a personal, you know, I want to see what I can do using my brain and, and my own, uh, work ethic, but I think that it, the current state of bodybuilding really needs to get back to more, uh, streamlined physiques, not rewarding people with, uh, you know, big stomachs from overeating or growth hormone or insulin or whatever is is causing it, Um, slowly I could see it kind of moving, but but I still think that, especially in the upper echelon, I think it's a a little in distress.
1: Okay. Um, People were talking with uh, Ben Hartman. He's a competitive bodybuilder and so forth. Um, Lonnie, do you have any questions for uh, Ben?
4: Actually, one thing that Ben was, was talking about that I that I thought was interesting was, because uh, I've been listening for a little bit here, was, you know, always trying to learn more and how his, you know, nutrition courses a- apply to, you know, himself as a bodybuilder and things like that, and it, it's interesting the further you get, it's, it's analysis paralysis is true, but you really can come full circle too, and I think the people who listen to this podcast, and, and I know Ben knows this, but... You do become a bit of a specialist. You know, there's a lot of stuff in textbooks or in parts of, let's say, the dietetics profession that really doesn't apply in any way to uh, someone's goals in bodybuilding per se. And it's tough academically because you, you have to kind of become a jack of all trades, master of none, at least at the, um, you know, kind of the um, professional credential level. Uh, in early stages and only then do you start to bring it back to the very reason that you got involved in it in the first place I mean obviously Ben's in a similar situation to me I I was interested in competitive bodybuilding and that's what drew me to nutrition you know but like Ben was talking about amylopectin and and different starches and stuff like that that kind of stuff if you know it great it might even help you know uh, guide your selections maybe you know I know Ben's been talking about the different molecular weight kinds of starches and uh, it, it, the insulinogenic response and all these kinds of things and uh, and at the same time you keep in the back of your mind something Charles often says which is there's nothing more anabolic than a calorie you know <laughs> so uh i don't know it, it it's fun to talk to people who are you know in the process of of becoming full circle like that because it's not the same thing as just saying a calorie is a calorie or, you know, calories are growth-promoting without having all the rest of the iceberg underneath the waves, you know.
1: Okay, Um. Ben has a website. Um. Now, it, it says it's under construction, correct? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But for people who uh, want to visit it, it's uh, benhartman.com, B-E-N-H-A-R-T-M-A-N. When do you think it uh, might be fully realized
3: uh geez that's a great question soon <laughs> i i hope um you know I, pressure I, had a, you. No, I know i know i know that's good though so, um re- really a lot of, lately i've been focusing on on my blog uh not so much on the strict web design um I, I had some lofty goals initially and unfortunately i'm building the whole thing myself uh so it's a you know instruct and then do sort of process um i did have some issues with with work where I had my old website and then I kind of redid the formatting you know also to update content um and honestly I've just been pretty busy uh you know Lonnie kept me busy this spring in class and and uh I I work full time so I just haven't taken the priority to jump right in um I'd like to get it done by the end of the summer realistically the, the rest of it uh and 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 then keep it going you know especially as I compete in the fall and I get some new pictures um, and new information I I really like the blogging that I've been doing um it's an easy way to get that information out there, and just kind of, you know, put myself out there, put my thoughts, put my ideas, put some progress pictures, keep me accountable. Uh, so that'll kind of be all inclusive.
1: Okay. Well, well, for the time being, then we'll
4: just blame Lonnie. Then. <laughs> you know, I was just think I was just thinking, poor Ben. He's, he's dealing with Rob, who's this you know professional journalist. His investigative reporting is is probably digging too deep. <laughs> Oh yeah, that website's not quite ready. You're back off, Fortress. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, that, I, you're gonna keep me accountable, so I'm glad you asked about it. Now I'm gonna now I'm gonna make myself find some time and get yeah. to it.
0: It is right. on the landing page that everybody's on right now too. So.
3: All right, so I guess we're gonna I'll toss the baton over to
1: Lonnie. Um it's his day and we'll I guess get to the topic of the day if you're if you're synced up with the with the music
0: there, Phil.
4: Okay. Yeah, I think the topic was really the reason that I I was interested in in seeing if Ben could be on the show because um we're all kind of specialists, you know. I mean, even with like bed and barbell and things like that, it's it those are uh, uh they can become niche kind of markets, you know. You, we're all we're kind of specialists and, and one of the things that Ben's confronted with is a large population fitness center to help run on a, on a daily basis. And I haven't been in that kind of scene. I mean, you know, Rob, you and I, we lifted to places like Bodybuilders a few weeks ago. You know, Pep was on the show, of course. And, um, you know, it makes me wonder what the state of bodybuilding is like in big fitness centers or on university campuses, because even 10, 15 years ago, I remember tales of like Lee Labrata talking about the college weight room. And, and there was a hardcore college weight room at Kent State where I went to school and I'm just wondering, Ben. Do you see anything uh, like a real a bodybuilding subculture? Is there a small group of guys there, or is this is bodybuilding something that's just passe to the you know the general uh, young population or people that you see, or or what?
3: I think, uh, especially looking at the current state at the university that we're at, you know, right now, um, I, I've ran into very few competitors. Not really. Uh, you know, even groups, the oddball guy that I might happen to run into at a show. Uh, I remember w- when I was an undergrad, once, once myself and several of my friends started competing, a whole group of people, large group of people started doing it, you know, figure competitors and fitness competitors and bodybuilders and powerlifters and strong men, and we all trained together. Uh, you know, we'd, we'd go in on Saturdays at the, at the Kent Rec Center and train, and then we'd go over to Ryan's steakhouse and, you know, have a buffet, and, you know, yeah. it, it was a great, great camaraderie, and I really don't, they, um, like I said, I have talked to a couple bodybuilders and, a, and the rare powerlifter, but largely it's it's uh, you know beach muscles, it's getting ready for spring break, um, you know every day is chest day, that sort of thing. It, it unfortunately, is you know kind of more the direction that that I see it going. I, I I relegate it more to being a a Planet Fitness, you know, than a Temple Gym with Doreen Yates. But it's I'm I'm trying to get some better equipment in there. I'm trying to get some. Uh, you know, more more information because there's such a negative stigma associated with bodybuilding. I know, Lonnie, we've talked about that, where people just think that we're dumb or, you know, that that we just throw weights around and yell, and it's like that couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, obviously, I'm pursuing academics, and you have the credentials that you do, and yet people still hear the term bodybuilder, and they think, uh, oh, wow, it's a meathead. He's obviously using drugs, and he's going to throw the weights, and we shouldn't get equipment to, you know, for those people uh, and I get a lot of that, especially as the manager coming down uh, to me. And I think I think things are uh, slowly moving in the right direction where we're at, um, but I think we got a long way to go.
1: Well, I mean, I think it might be might be worth it for the listeners just to state again that the topic of the day, so so yeah. specifically what we're
4: talking about. Just to restate, really, it's it's the presence, if any, of bodybuilding in modern fitness centers. And, uh, of course, we have Ben on, on line here who's uh, managing one of those. And I think one of the things that I was interested in is, you know, when I said the presence, if any, um, and this is really for all of us, but is bodybuilding something that's passe, or do you think it's uh, there's going to be enough of a subculture, you're still going to see pockets of it in general fitness centers? Well, I
1: certainly think that the time for – bodybuilding to kind of be the thing for young males to engage in I think has come and gone certainly as far as like from a mainstream and I think that's been overtaken by you know mixed martial arts and ultimate fighting that type of thing is kind of the in thing to do Um, I think the years where bodybuilding in and of itself as kind of not a means to an end but the end itself I think I think the glory years for that were probably the 80s early 90s and I don't know if anybody here agrees or not but uh, what what do you
2: guys think as i listen to this i can't help but but be reminded of the fact that in the early days of bodybuilding there was a strength contest you know i mean so they either to the best of my knowledge either had to do weightlifting or powerlifting so there were more sort of connections between the the bodybuilding and the powerlifting and the weightlifting community and i think today they're as separate as could be i mean if, if you're if you're a weightlifter versus a powerlifter i mean that's that's as far removed as a soccer player is from uh, you know, a, a, an MMA competitor. And uh I I I wonder if that might have been a poor move, uh, whenever it happened back in the day that they 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 kinda took that requirement out, you know.
1: Yeah, well and I have what- always kind of lamented that whole kind of thing as well and I think a lot of uh I mean obviously you can whether or not you think that's a positive or a negative, you can you can certainly uh I attribute a lot of that to the whole um uprising of you know Joe Weider and that and his whole empire cuz that kind of took took the whole kind of um you know naba which w- was the kind of the, the gold standard in, in internationally for bodybuilding and kind of you know refocused it on joe Weider's upstart federation and the, which eventually became the IFPB and so forth so which was kind of you know eradicated all those type of athletic type of um components to the competitive um and, and again i think that kind of came to a head in the 80s and early 90s and although that's continuing now i i, I certainly think that in just mainstream gyms there is probably l- less of a presence of you know very specific bodybuilders because um you know again the what what young men are more now drawn to what what the it sport is now to do is mixed martial arts start type training and that doesn't um, really lend itself too well to just trying to be as big and huge as possible.
4: Well, you know, a question for Ben or a- anybody here really is: Do you see that kind of um, divorce occurring? I mean, do you see in uh, fitness centers do you see the bodybuilders not training with the strong men? Or with the power lifters, I mean, I know we're talking about small groups of each of these here, but uh, do they segregate themselves
3: if you're if you're talking at the university level at the you know the general fitness center um honestly, I haven't seen enough of them to even see them have an opportunity to pool together to to get in their training I know at the at the gym that I go to it's not a it's not a fitness facility it's somewhere off campus and it's a definitely a gym gym. Um, strong powerlifting presence, very strong bodybuilding presence, uh, and slowly people have started to train together in those atmospheres. Especially as I've delved into the powerlifting and kind of you know been able to bridge bridge those gaps a little bit. But in terms of the recreation centers and the fitness centers, I, I haven't seen enough that they've even had the opportunity to do that.
1: It's interesting. I think that the point that Charles makes about how they, he used the word divorce of you know. Uh, a bodybuilder versus a weightlifting and so forth and but it's interesting that 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 kind of divorce as you say of of these kind of um disciplines within the iron sports how how those that are operating within it those kind of gaps between them are so obvious but still to the general public there is really it's seemingly to me at least there is still no gap i mean i say you know i'm a power and immediately people say oh you i see that on tv all the time it's like no that's strongman Okay, you're a weightlifter. I'm sorry. It's like, no, but weightlifting is different as well. And people, I think people generally speaking, like if you're a weightlifter, to somebody you're a bodybuilder, and if you're a bodybuilder, oh, he's a weightlifter. And if you're a powerlifter, oh, yeah, I see that on TV. I mean, Mm -hmm. so it's interesting how I I think that is, but within the people who are practicing one of these disciplines, it is very specific, but still, and this kind of goes back to what Ben was saying about how people still look at bodybuilders as as kind of, you know, dumb meatheads. They also have that idea of, you know, well, all weight training is the same thing, right? All weight trainers do the same thing. Weightlifting is the same thing as strongman, you know, that type of thing.
0: Um, From from what I've seen, um, I think Dave Tate put it well in our interview with him, and he's, you know, more and more of the the bodybuilders, powerlifters, all that, even, you know, Olympic weightlifters, they're going more and more to small garage-type gyms. Yeah. uh, Starting up small facilities together yeah away from fitness centers and then yeah they kind of are training alone you know it's generally you know this is a powerlifting community and maybe this is a bodybuilding community sure there's some some overlap but not not much and it's usually guys with similar interests um the only different place i've seen is the six months i spent in thailand but it's totally different there your your fitness centers over there aren't they're not fitness centers they are what hardcore gyms here used to be and it was, you know, over there, it was, I was training in what used to be Dennis James gym. And, you know, it was it was bodybuilders and, and strongmen and powerlifters training together. Maybe we all hit the same main move and then we split off and do different assistance stuff and you know, stuff like that. But it's, that's a totally different atmosphere. So.
4: It, it is encouraging, I think, that, that at least the niche places are 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 coming back in a sense. You know, what used to be A gym, you know, is no longer a gym. You use the word fitness center or recreation center or whatever it is, and I think it's partly – I mean when I was down in uh, New Orleans a few weeks ago on on a research uh, trip, they were talking about how in the 80s the action heroes were Buff, you know, Stallone and Arnold and those guys. And I think we've talked about this before on the podcast, but – you know now, I, I think it was Fortress. You said something like Leonardo DiCaprio is the new action star, or something like that, or Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck, yeah, there you go. And you know, I, maybe that's why people—I I don't know—they like the cosmetic part, but only in so far it's going to help them get chicks or something, as Fortress says. And and I don't know. And maybe maybe the average person doesn't even want strength. God, I hate to say that with Rob and Charles and Phil on the phone, but it's almost like they don't. You know what I mean? They want to look good, and it's all like for um, for sex or attractiveness or something. And I I don't know there's a a lack of honor in that on some level, don't you think?
1: I told you, you know, just recently. Well, what, recently last year or the year before, we know it. Well, it must be a couple of years now. But um, went to a seminar with Jay Cutler, and somebody was asking him how much he bench presses at the seminar, and I mean I'll never forget he said this and it was but it spoke so, you know, um eloquently of what I think is is a common thought within the kind of the pro ranks. When somebody asked how much he benched, he says he said, um, I don't really care how much I um I don't care really care if I can bench five hundred pounds as long as I look like I can. Great. And mm-hmm. I found that to be kind of blasphemous. <laughs> I'm like, Well, you know, like it's the complete opposite for me. You know, I'd rather be able to do it, and I'd love to look like I can do it too, but I, wouldn't, I sure as shit wouldn't want to look like I can do it if I couldn't do well,
2: it. You well, know <laughs> you know what's very interesting to me about that? There is a group of people who are seeking the exact opposite, and if you think out there in the fitness industry, and if you look at all the followers of Pavel Satsaline and Dragondor and the whole kettlebell movement, um, those guys sort of take pride in being freaky strong and having freaky abilities, but not looking particularly uh, noteworthy and in normal clothes. You know, most of those guys are kind of relatively thin and lean and stringy compared to a bodybuilder or a powerlifter. So they actually, from my point of view, I think they actually sort of seek out that look, which is the exact opposite, and that's kind of interesting also.
4: Sort of modesty, you know, it's it's like quiet confidence instead of false advertising. You know, the flip side of that, uh, like, you know, Ben was mentioning uh, GH and all the intricate intricate kinds of drug cycles and, and all that kind of stuff, and I put that together in my mind with what Fortress has talked about, watching, you know, he's seen Paul DeLette, you know, basically – Using one plate for push downs, I mean barely enough stimulus to just to get the the hormones to kick in, I guess and get the hypertrophy rolling um you know it, it's a completely opposite kind of thing on one side, it's modesty and strength that you don't really see, and on the other side it's it can go so far that it's literally false advertising.
2: Well, you know what so, yeah. too, and and uh, not not to not to take over from our guest here, but I just got to throw this out because it's so interesting. If you guys know who Carrot is, the uh, comedian, of course, yeah. and uh, when I lived in Las Vegas, I used to see him in in a Gold's Gym out there, and and he was uh, putting on some size and getting big. But I saw him recently on a TV show, and he had a tank top on, and he had these massive what I assume to be Synthral-type yeah, injections Delp. in his deltoid. Yeah. And this was like the man whose arms exploded kind of Synthral, like where it just looked abs- It looked like he was deformed. And so this whole thing is kind of spreading out into the mass population a little bit. Mm-hmm. Right.
4: That's disturbing. That's even more false advertising than being buff but weak. Then, then you're not even really buff. You're just you're an oil bag.
3: Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're a balloon. Hmm. Well,
1: Funny. going back to something that was said like five, ten minutes ago about the uh, Lonnie was talking about, you know, how there really is a, is a dividing line now between what is a gym and what is a health club. And it's interesting to me that the things that were considered gyms are actually moving towards being health clubs. I mean, you look at things like hmm. Gold's Gym, which is very, you know, very slowly moving away from what it, it, it's, its original mandate was. Oh, Yeah. Um, which would certainly lend itself, I mean, I, I don't know if this is true or not, and I, if I'm wrong, I certainly apologize, but I heard it so much as the Gold's Gym in Venice now doesn't allow deadlifts. Um, really? Which, 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 to probably to Joe Gold, you know, of 30 years ago, that would be... A camp, blasphemous. You know, oh
2: yeah, my it's God. blasphemous.
1: So it's interesting, kind of talking about how Dave Tate said this, and we all kind of agree that the very specific different disciplines of the iron sports are, are really are now kind of moving into more... Garage gyms and basement gyms, and you know, very small kind of clubs, and kind of um, it's almost kind of going underground a little bit again.
4: Might be good to have them re coalesce. You know, Charles mentioned in the early days, and Rob, I know you and I, this is the same stuff we saw when we looked at old magazines, some of the old Bob Kennedy magazines, <clears throat> and stuff like that. About uh, you know, the, the guys were they were also big benchers, they were power lifters, and 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 then things kind of segregated in a way, and now maybe I don't know. Maybe the re, the return of these specialty gyms will have uh, you know the bodybuilders and the strongmen and the and the powerlifters in closer proximity to each other, you know, all over again and have a little bit of cross pollination there.
1: Well, I like how Tom Platts once said to me. He, I was talking to him once, and he said, "You know, Rob. He says I've I've always been a powerlifter, just pr- pretending I'm a bodybuilder." I mean, that, that's what Tom Platt said to me. And that, I think, would be something that a lot of the old-time guys would kind of um, really relate to, guys like Reg Park and, you know, Bill Pearl and these types of people that, and I know that we all feel the same way. Um, to me, it's all great. You know, I, I like to do a little bit of everything. I think that if you're strong, you should be big, and if you're big, you should be strong. And, you know, that everybody everybody who's a bodybuilder should be able to clean some weight to their shoulder, and everybody who's a you know, weightlifters obviously should squat well, which is, of yep. course, and every bodybuilder should be able to deadlift something. I think I, I think that, to what you're saying, Lonnie, I think it's absolutely true. And although, in a competitive sense, certainly you have to be um, much more specific to your training, I think, and this is going back to my original question to Ben, all these things can complement one another, and they kind of should, because it all kind of, they're all. They really are all brother sister sports, and they all do complement one another if if you know what you're doing. And, and I think it's a it's a damn shame that it got to the point where, it, you know, weightlifters didn't mingle with bodybuilders, and bodybuilders, you know, you know, and powerlifters hated bodybuilders. And mm-hmm. I, I think the whole thing is silly. Um, to be quite honest with you,
4: in that sense, modern bodybuilding magazines almost do a disservice because they seem to promulgate the, this separatism in a way. You know, I mean, they show guys working out, but you know, they're oiled up and they've got sunglasses on indoors, and they're screaming, screaming falsely in each other's face. But you know, they're not like they're not wearing sweatpants, old gray sweatpants, and and deadlifting or squatting like the old pictures of Plats and stuff that used to get me so motivated.
3: Right. Well, Rob, Rob it's funny that you said that about the, uh, uh, you know, I'm a a powerlifter pretending to be a bodybuilder. Um, when I started. Uh, Getting, slowly getting into my powerlifting at, at the gym that I lift at, you know, I was always pretty strong because as a, as a drug-free bodybuilder, you, you know, the stimulus for, for my growth, I, I don't, you know, like Lonnie talked about Paul Dillette with the, the light weight, I don't have the, you know, uh, exogenous hormones coming in to, to stimulate muscle growth, so part of what I have to rely on is that heavy weight. And I just happened to be deadlifting one day, uh, in a, in a bodybuilding-specific workout, it just happened to be deadlift day, uh, for that. And uh, several of these powerlifters came over. They go, "Wow, dude, when's your meat?" And I was like, "Meat?" And they're like, "Yeah, aren't you a powerlifter?" I go, "No, I'm a bodybuilder pretending to be a powerlifter."
1: Uh, <laughs> and
3: that's kind of and that's kind of what crossed that bridge. And I really started uh, kind of training with those guys a little bit. Um, it, but I definitely agree; it, they definitely should be together. And and you know, a bodybuilder should be strong, and a and a powerlifter shouldn't look like a like a a pile of shit like some of them do um I, especially guys like, uh, like Matt Kroxalewski coming out now as a world-class 220 powerlifter, but he looks similar to a, uh, you know, a bodybuilder. You know, Maris Pujanowski coming out and looking leaner and stronger and, and being able to, to functionally do what he's supposed to do. I think that the merging of all those things, uh, I do see some of it coming back, especially as you know you get the strongman guys getting leaner and the powerlifting guys getting leaner, and the bodybuilding guys starting to use things like bands and chains in their training. Um, I think the biggest problem is that the ones that don't have those garage gyms to fall back on, or those you know hardcore gyms like like Lonnie and I are fortunate enough to attend in our area, they're relegated to those fitness centers where they don't have the opportunities to even learn about the other person's sport or use bands and chains or use chalk or deadlift. You know, as a bodybuilder, you go into one of these fitness centers, can you still be a bodybuilder? Yeah. Can you be a good powerlifter? Probably not. So you're probably not going to run into any powerlifters. And and that's the biggest thing that I see at the university.
1: One of my biggest influences ever was um, David and Peter Paul, the Barbarian Brothers, and, and they used to always consider themselves, they used to call themselves, and I'm sure you guys all remember this, power bodybuilders. Which kind of took off, and I, I think it was then that kind of coined that whole kind of thing. And you know, and that, that was a very strong influence on me because they were always kind of you know spoke about that type of thing, right? They never wanted to be bigger than functionally they could operate, and vice versa. They didn't want to be Mr. Olympia if they couldn't, you know, uh, lift Olympian size weights and that type of thing. And I think, like Lonnie says, there, there, there's a certain honor to. the whole thing when you start looking at it that way to just kind of flippantly say well i don't really care what i can lift as long as i look good or whatever i I think i think there's something kind of really mixed up to to people who are purists to kind of iron sports and and just love the process of lifting weights right and weight training that type of thing
3: there is i think that goes back to what you were saying about the uh you know, the current, you know, what my thoughts were on the current state of bodybuilding, especially with with the drug use in the upper echelon of the sport, the strength doesn't need to be there. And in a lot of cases, the strongest guys are the ones who injure themselves the most and end their careers. I mean, Dorian Yates tore both biceps and a tricep and Branch Warren has torn his triceps and and the heavy guys have that dense look, but at that level, they don't need to train heavy. Jay Cutler doesn't need to have a 500-pound bench press. And I think that's one thing that really drew me into the drug-tested bodybuilding realm is that, you know, you, you got to be a, a little ballsy. you got to go in there with, with a little bit of an edge and lift more than the guy next to you, not only to be stronger but to grow as well. But I think that also you're saying
1: about the injuries and so forth, but I mean, even like a Ronnie Coleman has now suffered some some pretty bad injuries. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. you can see just in his physique that, I mean, obviously there must have been nerve damage somewhere or some sort of tears or something. Well, the
3: whole left side of his body is, is Well, a, a yeah, of, and
1: I mean, it's just, uh, but... You know, I, I think, so even in the drug realm, I think the guys who, um, you know, have the genetics and have, you know, or do respond well to, this, you know, the, the drugs and the hormones and so forth, you know, it is those guys who are willing to be a little bit ballsy, like you say, to kind of use your terminology there, you know, to kind of go and do that. And, I mean, certainly that doesn't carry over all the time. I don't really know how ballsy Dexter Jackson, you know, Jackson is or anything like that. I don't think particularly so. But, you know, I mean, if you look at Ronnie Coleman, I mean, certainly he was
3: ballsy. I mean, this Oh, also, up. yeah. Well, it's Yeah, well, it's no coincidence that he used to be a powerlifter, and, you know, like you said, we're picking up, you know, 800-pound deadlifts and 800-pound squats, and that's probably no coincidence why he was the biggest, freakiest bodybuilder ever with the, the densest look to his physique. I mean, you look at a guy like him versus a guy like Jay Cutler, pound for pound right next to each other. Jay Cutler looks like a, he's filled up with, with air, like a balloon, and Ronnie Coleman looks like he's mm-hmm. chiseled out of marble. Well, I
2: know, and you guys? I was going to say, Rob, do you know who Joe DeAngelis is? Of course, yeah. Well, he's on the cover of my book, The Ultimate Guide to Massive Arms. And uh, yeah. he was nice enough to donate that photo because he and I used to train together. We used to know each other in Santa Barbara. and uh, Yeah, real strong guy. Yeah, real strong. And when I say real strong, I mean, I personally one time spotted him through a set of squats where he hit 20 reps with 500 pounds. You
1: know, yeah, that's I think that, that's I, kind I think of that was strong. actually posted on YouTube or something.
2: It's yeah, I've kind of seen those.
1: So, but I mean, you know, he's, been flo- he's been floating around the bodybuilding scene for years, mm-hmm. and it, as far yeah. as I'm concerned, he kind of per- personifies that whole idea of like that you know bodybuilding, powerlifting, whatever they you can you can kind of cross pollinate through both of them and be, be it's both. A, it's a
2: shame he didn't get further. I think he had a little bit of a wider waist than uh, what the aesthetics kind of dictated, but he was a real rugged looking guy, and I think he sure. was a rugged looking guy in no small part to the fact that. You know, he threw around massive weights for huge reps, and uh, you know, trained like a maniac. Absolutely, without question.
4: A trained eye can really see that in somebody too. You can look at somebody and see if they're a GH water balloon or if they've, you know, had years of heavy weights on them. You know. Well, it was
1: funny because actually, I pulled out one of my when I was down in Venice in '94 or so. I actually bought a Gold's Gym sweater, and I and I, I wore it for years and years and years. And I kind of, you know, quote-unquote retired that sweater for a couple of years. And actually, just yesterday when I went to the gym, I I, I I found it in my pile of old retired gym wear. And I thought, oh, you know, I'll wear this. Nice. And, and two people, I, Lonnie, I'm sure you've seen it many times, <laughs> <laughs> because i wore it with you many times, but two guys in the gym were like, wow, I, I, you must squat a lot. And I'm like, why? They, they, the, the holes in your sweater are all across the back where, where the bar sits. and And <laughs> it is. And I'm thinking, you know, that's, that, to me, that's kind of a badge of
4: honor, you know what I mean? So Whether it's your clothes or – that's why I like talking with Phil, because Phil said, you know, oh, my knees – I'm waiting for my knees to straighten up or this tour or that tour, <laughs> Charles pulled me off the floor.
3: You know, doing the ballistic stuff about how, you know, our knees and hips and everything else can't handle the pounding because of our years of heavy lifting. And I'm, I assume, the youngest of the group, and I'm still, you know, not without my fair share of injuries, so.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's battle scars, right? Yeah. I mean, yep. I, it's You know, it's it, there's kind of almost like a, kind of, I guess it's kind of a, you know, juvenile thing to thing. But, you know, the, the whole idea of, you know, talking with your buddies about, you know, well, I tore this and I... You know, was deadlifting and I tore my uh, you know, callus off my hand. Blood was all over the bar. And, <laughs> yep. I mean, these are all great things. I remember I was squatting once with you, Lonnie. I don't you know if you remember this. And I, I put the bar back on the uprights at Peps, and and I got my finger caught in the upright between the bar and the upright, and, it, and I tore it out, and blood was gushing everywhere. And right. you were you were just standing there laughing, saying, "That's great."
0: <laughs> you know, I, we were just, in all honesty, was, the, these are all sports of longevity. I mean, to make it to the highest level, it takes a lot of freaking years. Yeah. Um And like Lonnie was just saying, you know, if if you take time to really notice, you you can tell the difference in between somebody who's made it there really quick with massive amount of drugs, in let's say the bodybuilding scene, and those that aren't. I mean, it's seen years and year year after year. I mean, there's a, there's a certain density that I, a, a person gets from just years of heavy weight that isn't there. I mean. In, in the in the short term.
1: Well it's like it's like bending a piece of steel, right, over and over three hundred times to build the perfect samurai sword, you know? Yeah. It, you got you gotta forge the steel, you gotta forge the muscle and and I firmly believe the more you contract a muscle over the years and years and years, you know, very yeah. forcefully, it, it it develops a graininess to it. And I mean yeah. you look at all the top champions, well not all, but most of the top champions, they have that grainy look kind of to them in
4: of the past anyway you know, champions of the past, I'm afraid that things are going to move away from that where everybody's got the same little waist, GH belly, and water balloon muscles, you know, uh, uh, balloon animal type physique instead of the power bodybuilders of the past like Dorian Yates who were hard as granite and they were grainy, as as you say.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, you looked at that guy and, I mean, it was funny because you know, some pitchers do make bodybuilders look better than they are in person. and Some obviously don't do justice. Mm-hmm. And Dorian Yates, to me, was always one of those guys who just pitchers did not do him justice. And me, I remember people saying, "Oh, yeah, he, you know, he looks—he's not that good and that and stuff." And I, and I always say to them, "You know, unless you're standing in front of the guy, like two feet from him, when he's posing and he's like, you know, two hundred and seventy-five pounds, and you really can't understand." Just there was a quality to him that, although a guy like Flux Wheeler might have been eth- in aesthetic terms prettier. Or more balanced, or symmetrical, or whatever the you know the, the current trendy thing is to throw out. The fact remains is that the quality of his physique and the his density and his muscle quality was just was just was otherworldly. I, I mean, and I gotta think that's not just combination. That's not just drugs and not just you know the genetics, but that's also what he did in the gym. I mean, the guy was a balls out lifter that you know that trained in a
0: very old school style. Oh yeah, the same can definitely be said for. For most powerlifters that are that are strong and been at it a while, I mean, you see YouTube videos and whatnot, and it's like, yeah, that guy's strong. But when you meet these people in person, you know, there's just an aura. It's like, damn, you know, it looks like a brick wall. You know, Absolutely. even I mean, they're not going to be ripped. And I mean, I don't care what anybody says. Most most powerlifters aren't going to be very low body fat percentage. I mean, unless there's, there's there's a gone. few. There's a few genetically gifted people out there that that can carry low body fat. But, uh, no, I agree they shouldn't be sloppy. Um, and there is a change to that, I think, just because a lot, lot more of us are paying a little more attention to diet. and uh, But even at you know a higher, a higher body fat percentage, you get to meet these people in, in person. It's like there's a presence there. I mean, it, you can almost feel. <laughs> just walk well, well, I remember when I introduced
1: that. Brad Gillingham to you, Lonnie. Remember once at the Arnold and... We walked away, and you I remember you turned to me going, my God, he's big,
4: <laughs> yeah, that's that aura that's the aura Phil was talking about. You can just sense you know the power coming out because it's so broad but also like deep, you know what I mean yeah. and and you can yeah and and I don't know if I don't even think you have to have a trained I think almost anybody could stand in front of someone like you know Gillingham and be like, "Oh Christ, this is not a normal human being, you know yeah." I don't think it
3: hurts that he has hands the size of baseball gloves either, so... Oh, yeah. Uh, Absolutely,
4: he does. Hey, let me ask one last... Let me throw throw in one last, actually, because this weekend he's
1: actually competing overseas, but uh, anyway.
4: Okay, well, the last thing I wanted to ask you guys is just to get the expert uh, dope on this for young guys who are listening. If there is a young guy and he's training in a fitness center and... Whether there's a bodybuilder you know, lifting in the corner, somebody who's a standout or if there's none of that, uh, and he's all he knows is he's he's lifting weights and he's into this and he's he's drifting in one direction or another. What advice would you give him? would, would you say seek um, you know a, 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 a niche gym, search high and low or drive an hour for it? Would you say try to form a little group in the fitness center? Do you think he even has a snowball chance in hell of doing that? I mean, what are your thoughts about a young guy who's, you know, he's exposed with the modern environment that may have, you know, size divorced from strength or may have gyms no longer being the same word as fitness centers. What do you tell a young guy who just knows he loves the weights?
1: Number well, I, would one. Say, I would say to him that, you know, if, if he has an option for something else, then certainly, um... You know, exercise that, if it means driving an extra 15, 20 minutes, well, as far as I'm concerned, that's just, just an extra 15, 20 minutes. You can block the heavy metal before you get there. But if this that's just not an option at all, and all he has available to him is the kind of the cushy gym, then he really has to kind of knuckle down and, and, and learn his craft and look at the gym for what it is, and that's probably 95% just, um, you know, useless shit that he doesn't need to use. Um, so basically, you take that place, and you kind of just through your own eyes you just you know melt that place down to the you know just the several pieces of equipment that you need and and just and just just, you know look at all the rest of the stuff as just you know uh decoration
4: be the only guy in the corner where the squat rack is
1: well yeah make it your home i mean you know make the power rack your home and the the the, the (laughs) leg press and the in front of the dumbbell rack and, and the bench, and just yeah. and just recognize the fact that you know what you're paying for. Then is not the you know, is not the totality of what that you know chrome carpet you know soft place is. But you're you're paying for a few pieces of equipment, and but that, again, that comes down to learning your craft, learning yeah. what you need and what you don't need. And the truth be told is, you know, we don't need a lot, right? Yeah. We just need to select few things.
2: You know, oh. most most of the most of the biggest strongest guys in the United States train in garages. Mm-hmm. and uh, some of them train in my garage, as a matter of fact. And uh, But, you know, a couple of suggestions you can give people, Amy, first of all, put, put a note up on Craigslist and say, hey, man, I'm looking for people who want to get a group together for powerlifting or strongman or weightlifting or whatever it is that you want to do. Um, another thing that you can do is use social media. Use things like MySpace and Facebook and things like that. Um, you can also call USA Weightlifting in Colorado Springs, and they can tell you if there's a certified coach in your area, and uh, Phil, you might have some ideas. I don't know if you could call any of the powerlifting or strongman yes. federations if um, they could do the same thing for you. Yeah, I'm sure. Go
0: to powerliftingwatch.com, look in your state, and find all the state chairs. You're gonna have there now. There's so many damn federations that you're gonna have multiple Great state idea. chairs, and uh, call them up. They'll all be more than willing to talk to you. Same thing with the strongman state chairs. There's stuff going on, you just don't see it. There's stuff going on,
2: you just don't see it because it's happening inside of garages. Yes. You know, that's really where it's happening. Um,
0: if you are stuck in a in a commercial gym, the first thing I'd say is, well, two things. Number one, look around and look for the quietest, strongest person there. The one that doesn't bother anybody, just sticks to himself, and is training. That's who you want to try to get friends with. Mm-hmm. Because he's actually doing work, not the kids yelling, not the this and that, not the person that's always coming up to you, giving you advice. The the Usually the, the smartest person there isn't going to come give you advice, but he'll be happy to help you if you show interest and in you that ask, you're really yeah. serious.
3: Yeah, you know, I, I, I also, completely agree with that.
1: You know what I would also say? I would say to a young guy, you know, um, looking back on my own kind of history with this thing, don't start the whole journey being something. Don't start a power lifter. Don't start a weight lifter. Don't start a, a bodybuilder. Start a guy or a girl who trains with weights just be a weight trainer,
3: yeah. you
1: know, just, 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 um, you know, amalgamate yourself into the whole idea. You don't have of, to specialize early. Yep. No, just, just, just learn the craft of, of lifting and training with weights and resistance
4: Explore your strength.
1: And then, and then I mean, and certainly that applies to somebody who's only trained with weights to kind of further themselves in a chosen sport. But if you're not involved in another sport and you're just going to the gym cause you want to lift some weight don't be so specific. Go in and learn the craft of weight training. Don't be something. Just just train with weights. Yeah.
2: Good topic, guys.
1: Great topic. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for
0: uh, joining us, Ben.
3: Hey, no, hey, guys, thanks for having me. I mean, much much appreciated on my end.
0: Ben, we'll have to do it again sometime. All, all right. I like you. it. Thanks
4: a lot, everybody. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org. If you're interested in studying a diet or an exercise program,
1: it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians,
3: athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists to support.